Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The Biden administration is set to release a new regulation aimed at cleaning up the nation's drinking water. But there are pretty big challenges ahead. EPA is releasing new standards this fall that will require thousands of public water systems to tackle contaminants known as PFAS chemicals, which have been linked to infertility and cancer. PFAS chemicals potentially impact millions of Americans, but the standards could be very costly for utilities and actually getting rid of the waste won't be easy either. So today we chat with Politico's Jordan Woolman about EPA's new PFAS standards and the obstacles ahead. It's Monday, January 29th. So EPA has two proposed rules out right now. One is the drinking water standard for PFAS. PFAS are a family of chemicals that are man-made and have been used in a ton of consumer products from Teflon pants, a firefighting foam, to camping gear. And they're really great at withstanding elements, water, wind, fire, but that also makes them super difficult to break down. So we see them everywhere in the air, water, soil, human bodies. They're tied to adverse health effects. And that's why the EPA is trying to tackle these chemicals. So we have the drinking water standard that's due out in the fall that would require water utilities to maintain very, very low levels of PFAS in their drinking water. And then we have a separate regulation that would classify certain PFAS chemicals as hazardous substances under the Superfund law. And a source told you that upwards of 9,000 public water systems nationwide will need to treat for PFAS under EPA standards. So how costly will these new standards be for utilities? And I understand there's money that states can use to reach these standards under the bipartisan infrastructure law and the IRA. So is that going to help at all? So the AWWA, which is the American Water Works Association, the trade group for water utilities, estimates that the treatment upgrades that will be required of public water systems to meet these forthcoming very low EPA standards for PFAS will cost around $3.2 billion a year nationwide. In order to keep the PFAS levels so low, there's going to be very expensive treatment upgrades needed to be installed in these water systems to test and then detect and filter out the PFAS chemicals at these low levels. Of course, the concern always is that these costs will be passed down to ratepayers. But yes, you're exactly right that there is money in the infrastructure law and also from litigation that water districts are currently engaged in against the manufacturers of these chemicals that should be able to help offset some, but certainly not all of these costs. And I, I just wanted to point out too that while the EPA is engaged on these efforts at the national level, 10 states already do have their own drinking water standard for certain PFAS chemicals. So we can think of those 10 states as sort of a case study or a pilot for how these EPA standards might be rolled out in the sense of costs to utilities and the upgrades that they'll need to undertake. And another challenge with these standards, utilities are going to have to figure out what to do with the PFAS waste that results once those chemicals are filtered out. So what are the options there for utilities? It seems like from your reporting, there isn't really an easy answer. Is that right? Yeah, there's sort of a a good quote in the story from a source I spoke with that he basically makes the point, you know, okay, great. So these water utilities, you think of it, they filter out these PFAS chemicals. And then what, right? The chemicals are still in the filters. The filters need to be placed somewhere physically. 
the side effects of this EPA rule is that if you're going to require all these water utilities to test for these harmful and toxic chemicals, which they are, you're inevitably going to find more of these harmful and toxic chemicals and studies show that they're literally everywhere. And then what? And so we're going to be faced with this massive challenge of what to do with this PFAS waste that results from this testing and filtering. And right now, there's just not many good options. Like you said, there's really two that are sort of most prevalent. Again, thinking of these 10 states that have this drinking water standard, their standards are higher than what the EPAs will be, but they still do require their utilities and their states to test. And so what we're finding is that landfilling and incineration are really the two options. They're both costly. They both have drawbacks of their own. And it's still very much under study what is actually the best practice here. EPA told me that they have new guidance coming out this winter for what to do with actually handling this PFAS waste so we can look out for that. But it's going to be costly. It's going to pose logistical challenges. And the EPA rules are really only going to put more of a spotlight on the issue as more of these utilities are forced to test and do inevitably find these chemicals. Wow. And you also report that water utilities could face new and potentially expensive liability for failing to properly disclose a PFAS under a separate pending Biden administration regulation. So what's that regulation looking to do and what kind of liability are we talking about here? So this is the Superfund regulation that I mentioned at the top that would designate certain PFAS chemicals as hazardous, which would make it easier for the EPA to compel polluters to pay for cleanup. To be clear, it's not just utilities needing to filter and safely dispose of these chemicals out of their own goodwill by being good citizens. They could actually be held accountable for not handling these toxic chemicals that will be classified as hazardous in the appropriate manner. So there's also debate in Congress right now over the extent to which utilities should bear the burden, since, of course, they don't actually manufacture the chemicals themselves, but they are the last line of defense before they could enter drinking water and then eventually enter the human body. Also, Senate Energy and Natural Resources Chair Joe Manchin is pledging to hold a hearing about the Biden administration's recently announced LNG moratorium. Manchin said Friday he wants to hear the, quote, true state of play about the Biden administration's decision to freeze new export permits for natural gas. Manchin has frequently criticized President Joe Biden's energy policies, and he added that U.S. LNG production has helped strengthen the economy, create jobs, and support U.S. allies. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. And they're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane.